Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, They Have Not Rejected Thee, But They Have Rejected Me. It shall be focused on the study of 1 Samuel chapter 8 and 9. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we see the sad setting in the scripture of where the children of Israel rejected your leadership and chose what they saw their neighbors doing. Father, help us to live lives where we follow your leading and not of those around us. To know, Lord, the scriptures tell us that sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So, Father, to look to the Holy Spirit for leading, for you taught us, let the mind of Christ be in you. Father, to see that Christ forsook his own will but took your will, the will of your Spirit. Help us to do the same and not look to the right or to the left. For, Father, out of your wisdom, where you wanted to lead them through prophets, there would have been an exemplary nation led by the hand of the Almighty God throughout time. So, Father, help us to align ourselves with your program and not ours. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and 9. Chapter 8 And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons, and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands, and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep 
and ye shall be his servants, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us, and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. Chapter 9 Now there was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son, whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses, and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure, he can show us our way that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again, and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God, to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them, and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city. For there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. As soon as ye be come into the city, ye shall straightway find him, before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice. And afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time you shall find him. And they went up into the city. And when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them, for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of. This same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul, and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? 
and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant, and brought them into the parlor, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder, and that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day, that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Is Your Life Worthy of the Gospel? This was preached in 1963 on June the 30th in the evening. We'll begin in paragraph 128 up to paragraph 183. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Let's stop, pause a few minutes, and have a prayer and think. What day are we living in? Where are we at in another modern scientific age? We better think. Maybe if you stop, people stop and pray a little while and think a little bit, you feel better if you get through doing it. That's right. A Christian is not a tool or some kind of a mechanical wrench to a great big religious regime. That's right. A Christian is not some kind of tool that keeps a religious organization moving. A Christian, that is not a Christian. A Christian is to be Christ-like. And a Christian cannot be a Christian until Christ comes into the man. The life of Christ in him. Then it produces the life that Christ lived. And you do the things that Christ did. What am I talking about? Personal relationship to Christ. What is it? Is your life worthy of the gospel? Now, I'm trying to lay that background there to show you that men and women who were renowned women, man, the Bible said, did you notice last Sunday night, something I forgot to put in, Genesis, the sixth chapter and the fourth verse, those men who taken to them women for wives were men of old renown. Renowned man. Predicted to come again like it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Renowned man taking women, not wives, women. Going after strange flesh. Look in England a couple weeks ago. Look in the United States. Look everywhere. It's full of prostitution. Great man. Great high offices. Bringing disgrace upon the nations, running after women. That great man there in England, some kind of a warlord like, why'd you notice he had a pretty wife? Her picture was there long. Look at that Russian prostitute. But she's all sexy dressed and throwed herself out there to display her female flesh, and the man fell for it. What we need today is sons of God. We need man and government that's sons of God. That's right. 
Therefore, a good godly king would stop all this nonsense. There wouldn't be no strings to pull like David did. He put a stop to it. He certainly did. Because he was a king. And there was only the real way is God being the king and God sends a prophet. Didn't Samuel tell them before they ever got a king? He said, God's your king. Have I ever told you anything in the name of the Lord but what comes to pass? They said, no, that's right. Have I ever bumped you for your living? No, you never did bum us for a living. And I've never told you nothing but what was right before the Lord said, God is your king. Oh, we realize that. We know you're a good man, Samuel. We believe the word of the Lord comes to you, but we want a king anyhow. That's what they get. Pentecost won't an organization anyhow. It got it. That's right. Want to be like the rest of the churches. You are. Go ahead. That's just what it takes. But God is our king. God is our king. Yes, sir. What is it? It's because that the people, like they did in the days of Christ, like they have in every age, they find an excuse. They have their own creed. You might not want to say, I, I bought a cow and I got to go see whether she she a work or not, or give milk or, or what stock she is. You might not have that excuse, but here's the kind of excuse that people may say, I'm a Presbyterian. We don't believe in that. I'm Baptist. We don't believe in no such stuff as that. Well, I'm a Lutheran. Well, that don't have anything to do with it. That don't mean you're Christian. That means that you belong to a bunch of people that's organizing. You belong to the Lutheran Lodge, the Baptist Lodge, the Pentecostal Lodge. There is no such a thing as Pentecostal Church. There is no such a thing as Baptist Church. It's Baptist Lodge, Pentecostal Lodge, Presbyterian Lodge. But there's only one church and there's only one way you can get into it. And that's by birth. You're born into the church of Jesus Christ and a member of His body, of the spiritual delegation of heaven. And then the signs that Christ is with you lives through you. Christians, all, you must have a personal relationship to God. In order to be a son of God, you must become relation to God. He must be your father in order for you to be a son. And only his sons and daughters are saved. Not the members of a church, but sons and daughters. There's only thing, one thing that will produce that. That's the new birth. The new birth is the only thing that will produce relationship to God. Is that right? Sons and daughters. Then, when this takes place, then the man, here's the question I want to give to you. The man says, what do we do then? After we've been born again. So many ask me that question. What should I do then, Brother Branham? If you are born again, your entire nature has changed. You are dead to the things you once thought. Well, you say, Brother Branham, when I joined church, I got that. Well, then when God said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, He still heals the sick, He still shows vision. But, Brother Branham, my church, now you're not born again. You can't be. For if the very God if His life is in you like the, you are in the life of your Father, and if the very life of God is in you, the very Spirit that was in Christ in you, how can the Spirit live in Jesus Christ and write this and then come back down in you and deny that? Can't do it. It'll punctuate every word to be so. Then, if you say, well, I'm a good member of the church, that don't have one thing to do with it. 
I know the heathen down in Africa amongst my dark brethren down there. I find the morals of them people higher than, than 90% of the American people. While in some of the tribes there, if a young girl is not married until she's a certain age or when she's a certain size and no one has taken her yet, they know there's something wrong. They excommunicate her. She takes off tribal paint. She goes to the city and then she just becomes a renegade. And when she's married, she's tested for her virgency. If the little virgin veil is broke, then she has to tell who done it. And they kill them both together. Wouldn't it be a lot of killing in America if that taking place? Then you call them heathens. Oh, my. They can come teach people that call themselves church members how to live clean. That's right. Never found one case of a Nero in the whole trip through South Africa. You don't have such a thing. There you are. See, it's just our own dirty, filthy ways. It's white people. That's right. Got away from God. When this takes place, the thing you do then, you'll find out that the spirit that comes in you from the new birth, you will believe and do everything that God says in his words for you to do. And everything that the Bible quotes for you to do, you'll punctuate with amen. amen. And you'll not stop day and night until you receive it. That's right. That's right. And in all this time, you'll certainly above everything bear the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, I speak with tongues. You might do that, and you might not. Well, I shout. You might do that. You might not. But there's one sure thing you will do. You will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faith, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, patience. Your temper not be loose. Just remember when you got that, that poisons the Holy Spirit away from you. When you get to a place that you want to fuss with everybody you come along to, there's something wrong. When you get a place where the, a minister will read from the Bible that it's wrong to do a certain thing, you just remember there's no Christianity there at all. That's, now, that by their fruits you shall know that. That's what Jesus said. If it's the Word and God said so, that Spirit in you will cope with that Word every time. Because genuine Holy Spirit will cope with the Word because the Word is life in Spirit. Jesus said, My words are life. And if you've got eternal life and He is the Word, how can the Word deny the Word? What kind of a person would you make God? That's one thing to know that you're a Christian. When you can fully agree upon every word of God and you find yourself in love with your enemy. Somebody said, well, he's nothing but a holy roar. And you start getting, oh, be careful. Be careful. But when you really find yourself that you love, regardless of what they do, you still love. Mm-hmm. Then you begin to find. And your patience gets from about that long till it just don't have no end. Anybody just keeps saying things about you? Well, I don't care what you say. Don't get stirred up. If you get stirred up, you better go pray first before you talk to him again. No. Don't get in fusses. Don't like to get in fuss. If you like to see somebody raise up in church and say, You know what? I'll tell you so-and-so did so-and-so. They say, Nah, brother, shame on you. If you say, Oh, is that so? Listen to that scandal. Watch out. The Holy Spirit's not a cesspool. No, no. No, no. The heart is occupied by the Holy Spirit. It's full of holiness. Purity thinketh no evil, doeth no evil. 
believeth all things, endureth long-suffering. See? Don't fuss. When the family gets in a fuss, don't fuss with them. Your mother said, I ain't having you going up to that old church anymore. Well, you, all you think about now, you let your hair brush look like some old grandma. Don't fuss with her. Say, okay, mother, it's all right. I love you just the same, and I'll be praying for you as long as I live. Now, don't fuss. See, temper breeds temper. First thing you know, you grieve the Holy Spirit away, and you'll be fussing back. Then the Holy Spirit takes his flight. Temper breeds temper, and love breeds love. Be full of love. Jesus said, this will all men know you're my disciples when you have love one for another. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love. And did you know you are a little creator yourself? Did you know that? Certainly. You've seen people that you just love to be around. You don't know why. Just that loving type of person. Have you seen that? Just as kind. You like to be around them. That's, they create that atmosphere with the life they live. The way they talk. Their conversation. Then you've seen those that every time you, you shun them, all the time they want to talk about something evil and talk about somebody. You say, oh my, there they come. They're going to criticize somebody. They're, he's in here now. He's going to talk about this man. All they're going to do is tell dirty jokes or something about women or uh, something like that. You just hate to get around them. See, they create seemingly for nice people, but they create that atmosphere. And the things that you think on, the things that you do, the actions, the things you talk about creates an atmosphere. I went into a man's office here in this city, and a man is a trustee, or deacon it is, in a fine church. And I went in there to see that man about some business, and there's a radio over there with that rock and roller twist there, what was, just as hard as it could go, and I guess there was 40 pinups in his office of nude women. Now, you can't tell me how much deacon or how much more you let me see what you look at, what you read, and the kind of music you listen to, the crowd you associate with, and I'll tell you what kind of a spirit's in you. Yeah. Yeah. You hear God say, Me, do so-and-so, that bunch of... Just remember, I don't care what he says, his words speaks louder, his actions speak louder than what anything he can say. He could testify, say he's a Christian, sure, and maybe do anything, but you just watch the kind of a life he lives, that tells what he is. Now, could you imagine that a man with a life that would say, To believe in divine healing, that's something for the birds. That was back in years ago. There's no such a thing today. Is that a life worthy of the gospel that Christ was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we were healed? You say, but I'm a deacon. I don't care. You might be a bishop. When I heard Bishop Sheen say about two years ago, coming down every turn him on again, when he said, A man that would believe and try to live by that Bible was like somebody trying to walk through muddy waters. Bishop Sheen then turned around and said, when I get to heaven, uh, you know what? When I meet Jesus, I'm going to tell him, I'm Bishop Sheen. And he said, oh yes, I heard my mother speak of you. <laughs> Paganism! Man, that would blaspheme that word. God be merciful, I ain't the judge. That word's the truth. That's right. The Spirit of God will recognize His own writing. He's identified by His writing. It, it, it speaks of Him. And you're identified by believing it. That gives you your credentials of identification. Don't fuss with others. And don't uh, 
and don't have these family fusses, as I said. Love breeds love, and temper breeds temper. Now, now let's watch. Look at Jesus just for a minute. He was your example. I hope you're not getting too tired. Let's look at Jesus just a minute. He was our example. He said so. For I have given you an example that you should do to others as I've done to you. Now watch. When he came into the world, when there was more as much unbelief in the world right then as there ever was, it didn't even slow him up. He went right on preaching just the same and healing just the same. Never bothered him. There was critics. The man was criticized from the time he was a baby until he died on the cross. Did it stop him? No, sir. What was his goal? Always do that which the Father has written. Always do what's pleasing. Look at Jesus. Talk about us humbling ourselves when God himself became a baby. Instead of coming in a, a little crib somewhere in a decent home, was born out there over a manure pile in a stable amongst bawling calves. They wrapped him in swaddly clothes off the neck of a yoke of an ox. The poorest of the poorest and yet the creator of heavens and earth. One cold rainy night, they said, Master, we'll go home with you. He said, the foxes has holes and the birds has nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. God! Jehovah! Humble himself and become a man represented in sinful flesh to redeem you and me. Who are we then? He was our example. Who am I? Nothing. I was telling someone this afternoon in a little meeting. I said, every son that's born of God has to be tried first. Chastened. I remember when I had mine. My greatest hour when a, when a man's born again, there's a little spot like the size of his fingernail that God injects into his system and it falls into his heart and their anchors. Then Satan makes him prove it. And if that ain't there, you're gone. I remember that in the hospital uh, about 22 years old. 23 maybe. Long as young man. And my father dying in my arms and me talking to God as a healer. And my own father in a heart attack. Ladies, head in my arm and me praying for him and see him turn those eyes and look at me and fall off to go to meet God. I took him over and buried him by the side of my brother and the flowers are still fresh on his grave. And me preaching a God that heals the sick, working for the public service company for 20 cents an hour. And my wife working out in the shirt factory to help us make a living for our little 18-month-old boy, Billy Paul, and an eight-month-old child that she was packing. I seen Sister Wilson nod her head. She remembers that. Roy Slaughter and some of the old timers. What did I do? Walk the streets with a sandwich in my hand, come down off the pole and testifying to everybody come by about the love of Jesus Christ. Go to the garage and ask them if I could use it. Talk to the mechanics. Go in there and say, man, have you ever been saved yet? I found something in my heart. Go into grocery stores at nighttime. Come home at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning from making sick calls all night long. Couldn't it just sit down and change and put on my work clothes and sit there in a chair and rest till daylight, get up and go and so thin from fasting and praying till I have to pray to put my spurs on and get up a pole. 
preaching. And preaching, God was great. God was mercy. God was love to the people. And here, my daddy dying on my arms, and my brother died, was killed while I was standing in the pulpit down here, this little colored Pentecostal church preaching. Come told me your brother was killed up on the highway. Your car hit him and killed him. His own brother's blood dripping off his shirt where he picked him up on the highway. Right after burying him, my daddy died. Then there laid my wife out there, and I went to come over here at this tabernacle from off this waste platform stand, told the people six months before it happened, there will come a flood, and I seen an angel take a rod and measure 22 feet over Spring Street. Sandy Davis and them said in your life, says only about eight or ten inches in 1884. Boy, what's talking to you? I said, it'll be because I seen one of them trances, and they told me so, and it'll be there. And there's a mark on Spring Street today at 22 feet of water. I said, I rode over the top of this tabernacle in a boat, and I did during that time, my wife got sick. I prayed for her, and I come to the tabernacle. There's people waiting on me. I said, she's dying. Oh, it's just your wife. I said, she's dying. I went over there and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I hold my hands out. And she took hold my hand. She said, Billy, I'll meet you in the morning. Stand over there. They get the kiddies together and meet me at the gate. I said, just start hollering, Bill. I'll be there. And she went out. I laid her down there in the morgue. Went up home to lay down, and when I did, little Billy Paul stand Miss Broy and him, so sick the doctor expected to die at any time. Me praying for Billy, and here come Brother Frank got me, said, your baby's dying. The little girl. I went out to the hospital, and Dr. Adair wouldn't let me go in, said, she's got meningitis, you take it back to Billy Paul. Had the nurse give me some kind of a red stuff to take for some kind of an anesthetic or something to quiet me. And I had him to leave the room, throw it out the window, slipped out the back door, went down to the basement. There laid the baby there before the hospital, the isolated ward, flies on her little eyes like that, and I tucked the old mosquito bar, shoot him away and put over. I got out and I said, God, there lays my daddy's brother yonder the flowers on the grave. There lays hope laying yonder, and here's my baby dying. Don't take her, Lord. And he just pulled down the curtain as if they shut up. I don't want to hear you at all. You wouldn't even talk to me. Then if he wouldn't talk to me, it was Satan's time. He said, I thought you said he was a good God. What's all this you're hollering about? You're just a boy. Look around over the city. Every girl, every boy you ever associate with think you've lost your mind. You have. Now, he couldn't tell me there's no God because I'd already seen it. But he told me he didn't care for me. said, all night long, all day long, I said that to God. What have I done? Show me, Lord. Don't let the innocent have to suffer for me if I've done wrong. I didn't know he was trying me. But every son that comes to God's got to be tried. I said, tell me what I've done. I'll make it right. What have I done but preach all day long and all night long and just uh, give him my life constantly. What have I done? Satan said, that's right. And see, now it comes to you and you've told all of them that you believe that he's a great healer and there lays your baby laying there dying. He refused to even hear your wife die with tuberculosis pneumonia. You said he could heal cancers. And there he is. Now you talk about him being good and how good he is to people. What about you? Then I begin to listen to him. That's reasoning. I thought that's right. He said he could just, you don't have to speak the word. Just look to your baby to live. I said, that's right. And as much as you've done for him, and yet that's what he does for you. I said, that's right. We're going to think, well, what? See, everything begins to break away when it comes to reasonings. But when it comes to that, that hung. It stayed there. I was just about ready to say, then I'll quit. But when it got down to all the reasoning powers that broke away, then it come to that eternal life, that new birth. What if it hadn't have been there? What if it hadn't? 
we wouldn't have known one another the way we do now. This church would have not been here like this. The thousands and millions around the world. But it, thank God it was there. Then when I thought, what? Who am I anyhow? Who am I to question His Majesty? Who am I to question the Creator that gave me my very life here on earth? Where did I get that baby? Who gave it to me? Not mine anyhow. I just loaned her to me for a while. I said, Satan, get away from me. I went over and laid my hand on the baby. I said, God bless you, sweetheart. In a minute, Daddy will take you down and put you on Mommy's arms. The angels will pack your little soul away and I'll meet you in that morning. I said, Lord, you give her to me. You're taking her away. Oh, you slay me like Job said. Yet I love you and I believe you. If you send me to hell, I love you anyhow. I can't get away from that. There you are. Just been intellectual, it all broke away. But you've got to have personal relationship. You've got to be born again. That's the reason ministers give away great charges and things. They say there's no such a thing as divine healing, no such a thing as these things. They've never been on that sacred ground. Without speaking this morning, they know nothing of it. How can they say that they're children of God and deny the Word of God? How can you do it denying the very Holy Spirit that bought you? Oh, just remember Jesus humbled himself to death for you. He was not fussy. When they spit in his face, he didn't spit back. When they pulled his beard out, he didn't pull it theirs. When they slapped him on one side of the face the other, he never slapped them. He prayed for them. Walked on humbly. He was an example of humility. He was full of faith. Why? He knew his words couldn't fail. He so lived by the Word that He became the Word. Oh, God, let me hold my both hands to God before this audience. Let me live like that. Let this Word so become that me and this Word is the same thing. Let my words be this Word. Let the meditation of my heart, let it be in my heart, on my mind. Tie His commandments upon the post of my intelligence. Pie up on the post of my heart. Let me just see Him when temptation rises. Let me see Christ. When things go wrong, let me just see Him. When I get ready and the enemy try to make me get angry, let me see Jesus. What would He do? He was so much in the Word to Him and the Word became the self-same thing. Watch. He didn't have to fuss. He knew He and the Word was the same. He knew that He was God's Word made manifest. And that God's command would finally conquer the world. He knew that His Word, He had faith. He knew where He was at. He didn't have to discuss and say, Here, you could come over here. The devil said, Now look, you can perform miracles. You know you got great faith. You can perform miracles. I'll build you a building twice the size of War Roberts. Because <laughs> people all, if you all think you have to, show them. Jump off this building here and just go right down because it's written. See, the angels buried the others at the same time dash foot against the stone. See? He knew he had power. He knew that he could do it. He knew it was in him. But he didn't want to use it till God told him to. See? He wanted to be God and Him be the Word at all. And he knew that when he spoke anything, that it was God's Word. And though heavens and earth pass away, that Word would someday conquer. He wasn't fussy and stewy. He 
spoke just the words of God. Every word that come from his lips was God's anointed word. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say that? My word and God's word is the same. What I say, he honors it. Because I do nothing till he tells me first. There's your example. There's a life worthy of the gospel. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mighty love. We thank you, Lord, for your everlasting kindness and your faithfulness to us. Father, we pray and submit ourselves to your will for your leadership. That, Lord, we might be found typifying the life of Christ. So, Father, take all our pride and our selfishness and our ways of thinking and doing things out of the way so that you might have full preeminence. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Of your love reaching 